Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Tossing and turning all night like a salad? It's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. One reason that the sober community is so important is because you see other people who are living a sober life and you want what they have. You see examples of what your life could potentially become. Wanting what someone else has in this case is a really good thing because it lets you see that sobriety and happiness are possible. So many people have reached out to me online and said, I wish I had your level of self-control or I wish I was disciplined like you are. It's not about self-control or discipline though. And by saying that, you're making your drinking into a morality thing. 
So in this episode, we're going to talk about why we are so quick to call ourselves losers and make it a self-control issue. If you're stuck on this idea that you need more discipline, then I hope this episode gives you some perspective so you can stop beating yourself up for a lack of self-control. That's just really unproductive and believing that you need to control yourself is not an effective way to find freedom from alcohol. So let's dig in. my drinking, I would jolt awake around 3am and force myself to stay awake until the sun came up so I could beat myself up for hours for being a loser. I honestly don't know how I survived with so much alcohol and so little sleep. And I would start my day by looking in the mirror and repeating, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, until I cried. And then When the hangover began to fade around lunchtime, I'd start to negotiate with myself for why it was okay for me to drink that night, and then the cycle would continue. According to the dictionary, a loser is a person who fails frequently and is generally unsuccessful in life. If you're trying to control your drinking without success, then you probably consider all of those times to be failures. A few studies have looked at loss of control in patients with alcohol use disorder, and they've found that the less control someone has over their drinking, the weaker the connection between the insula and the areas of the brain involved in emotion regulation. The insula is involved in our concept of self-awareness. It allows us to differentiate between emotions so we know how we're feeling and what to do about it. If you listen to episode 69, then I described how heavy drinking shrinks the brain. Well, a study from 2019 published in Biological Psychiatry compared drinking behaviors in twins and in non-twin siblings. They found that drinking more is associated with less brain volume in two main areas, the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex and the insula. The dorsolateral prefrontal cortex is involved in tasks like decision-making, novelty detection, working memory, conflict management, and mood regulation. And reminder, the insula is involved in our concept of self-awareness. So isn't that interesting that heavy drinking shrinks the insula, which in other studies is associated with a loss of control over drinking? So to me, that says that the more we drink, The more alcohol damages the brain, so the less we can control it, and the more trapped we become. Insula dysfunction has also been linked to cravings, struggling to delay gratification, and how we experience rewards. We get stuck on this idea that heavy drinking is just a bad habit that you need to learn how to control, but bad habits aren't changing your brain. Heavy drinking literally changes your brain. There's a big difference there. 
Every time that I messed up and drank more than I had planned, which was almost every time I drank, I beat myself up and called myself a loser. And I think that we do this because we believe it's a self-control thing. We believe what the stigma says about people that can't moderate. We're quick to blame ourselves and call ourselves losers because we're desperate to have some kind of control over our drinking. So if I'm a loser and I'm not strong enough to control my drinking, then it's in my power to fix it and just, you know, be stronger or whatever. It sucks to feel like a loser, and I did for most of my life. And now my understanding is that I was just desperate to control my drinking. No one wants to admit that they're powerless over alcohol, which is why acceptance is such a critical part of getting sober. And it's probably why admitting you are powerless is the first step of AA. And I know that the idea of powerlessness is a polarizing topic. So whatever works best for you is fine, as long as it keeps you sober. Some people like to think they are powerless because it helps them accept they can never drink ever again. And others prefer to think that they have all the power and choose not to drink. Either way, it's up to you. Both work. I had a hypothesis that the less able you are to control your drinking, the more you feel like it's your fault and that you're a loser. So I asked the Living a Sober Powered Life community, and unfortunately my hypothesis seems incorrect, but that's fine. Some people couldn't moderate, but would never think to call themselves a loser. And if you want to come hang out with us in Living a Sober Powered Life, there's more info for you in the show notes. And I think my hypothesis was just too basic. There's a lot more to it. And asking my community obviously wasn't like a real study or anything, but I was just curious what they thought about this idea of being a loser. I explained the history of stigma in episode 15, and I also explain the general view on addiction. Addiction is the most stigmatized mental illness in most places in the world, and most people believe it's not a mental illness at all. People think it's a choice and that we shouldn't waste funding trying to help people. Most people surveyed believe that the person struggling with addiction is responsible for their own problem and that lack of willpower and bad character are the cause. The stigma is a main reason why people don't want to get help and why some of us fight so hard to keep drinking so we don't have to feel like we're weak-willed losers and combine that with wanting to feel like we have some control over our own lives and it makes it very easy to visit loser land. Stigma has existed for a really long time and I think it comes down to misunderstanding and fear. Thousands of years ago, people with mental illness were stigmatized and rejected because they were thought to be possessed by demons or punished by God. The stigma has been passed down throughout generations and we've only been trying to address it recently, so it's going to take some time. I think the main problem here is that we all only understand our own experiences and we think that everyone is just like us. Most people don't struggle with alcohol, so they think that everyone experiences alcohol the the same way that they do. So therefore, if you can't control your drinking, then that's on you. We don't understand that two people can go out and have a drink together, but their brains will have two different experiences with alcohol. Animal studies have found that animals will choose social interaction over drugs, but if being social is punished, then animals will choose drugs. So this is like when we experience humiliation or rejection because of the stigma. 
Even though the general public may still believe that addiction is a choice and something that only happens to weak-willed losers, you don't have to believe that too. And I know it's really hard to let that belief go, but with all of my episodes, I'm trying to help you understand why you experience alcohol the way that you do so you can let go of this belief that it's a self-control thing. Self-stigmatization is another huge part of the problem. Self-stigma is when we devalue ourselves and fear that society is going to do the same because we identify with a stigmatized group. Studies have found that self-stigma is associated with delays in getting treatment or avoiding treatment altogether, low self-esteem, worsened mental health symptoms, and a lower quality of life. Self-stigma causes people to try to suppress these feelings, to avoid them, or to try to argue with them. But the problem is avoidance behavior has been linked to many problems like addiction, depression, anxiety, psychosis, and burnout. People with self-stigma also withdraw socially and isolate because they don't want rejection. And as we learned in episode 111, drinking alone fuels addiction. So self-stigma just makes the problem so much worse. Typical thoughts would include things like, I have thought that a major reason for my problems with substances is my own bad character. I deserve the bad things that have happened to me. I feel ashamed of myself. And if someone were to find out about my history of substance use, they would expect me to be weak-willed. I really identify with that last one about expecting other people to think badly of me because I am sober. A 2013 study looked at self-stigma and found that self-devaluation strongly correlates with negative mood. And we know that coping with negative emotions is a main reason that people drink. This study also found that self-stigma was higher in people that were still using substances compared to people who have been sober for a month or more. And this is exactly what I hear all the time, that once someone gets sober, their self-esteem begins to improve. So this is really good news. We let ourselves down constantly when we drink. So of course, you're going to feel horrible about yourself all the time. In sobriety, you keep a promise to yourself every single day when you don't drink. And that helps rebuild trust with yourself. And over time, you'll start to believe in yourself again. Another 2010 study found that self-stigma was associated with lower drink refusal self-efficacy, which means whether or not you believe you can say no to a drink. So it all builds on itself. The more we beat ourselves up for not being able to control our drinking, the less we believe in ourselves, the more mental health struggles we have, the more we isolate, and then the worse our problems become. And then the more we beat ourselves up and so on. And your past experiences influence how likely you are to self-stigmatize too. So this may have been why my fake study asking the members of my community didn't really work out. A 2018 study on childhood trauma and addiction found that people who have experienced childhood trauma are more likely to apply the stigma to themselves and agree with what it says. So your past experiences and any trauma you have experienced also influence how likely you are to call yourself a weak-willed loser. But what you need to know is you're not bad because you can't control the amount of alcohol that you drink. You're not a loser because one drink doesn't satisfy you. And this is why we stay stuck. 
because we shame ourselves and convince ourselves that we are the worst person in the entire world. And then we feel so horrible that we drink to cope or feel like we don't deserve happiness, so why even bother? Actually, one of the earliest signs of addiction is a loss of control. And then everything kind of spirals from there. That doesn't mean that you're a loser who can't control yourself. It means you have lost the ability to control your drinking. It's a real thing that happens. It's not a weakness. And it's all because heavy drinking changes the brain. It's not that you don't care about your family or you don't care about yourself or you're a loser or you don't have enough discipline to not drink. It's that heavy drinking changes the brain. But this doesn't mean that it's not your responsibility to deal with your drinking and fix your life. If you're struggling with being unable to control your drinking, then check out episode 125 to learn more about your off switch and where it may have gone. And I know it's hard to stop beating yourself up, especially if you're still drinking, but what I've learned in sobriety is that I'm not a bad person or a loser. I was a person in a ton of pain who tried to comfort myself with alcohol because I had no other tools. When I talk to people who are on a sobriety journey, either when someone reaches out to me or inside my membership community, that's what I see. People in pain. I've never really had any self-esteem, but I finally developed some in sobriety. And it doesn't happen right away, and it takes work if you're coming from a place where you really do not like yourself. But that's one of the best gifts of sobriety. And it is so worth going through all of the hard and uncomfortable stuff that comes with not drinking. Maybe I don't know you personally, maybe I do, but I promise you, you're not a loser. Just keep trying and never give up on yourself and you will get there. It's important to get support because you don't have to do it alone. Support only helps. So I'm proud of you, keep going, and I will talk to you next week. Madeline and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety and lots of how-to for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.